Welcome to the I Love Negotiating Podcast, where we aim to equip you with the practical strategies, techniques, tactics, and tools to dramatically improve your negotiation results. My name is Jan Potgieter. Over the past 15 years, I've consulted to and trained many of the world's leading brands in more than 60 countries to help them improve their business negotiation results. I've trained just under 10,000 people face-to-face in a small group format, and I've negotiated on camera one-on-one with almost 4,000 people from most major cultural backgrounds. In this podcast, I want to use my experience to bring perspective to your negotiation challenges. Ninian Wilson, the leader of uh, Vodafone Procurement Company, thank you so much for uh, making time for us today. No problem at all. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, Ninian, so the um, first question I have for you is, you know, if, if you can maybe share with our audience, you've been, you've been on, the, uh, on the buy side for... For, for a long period of time now, and you know, it's, it, it takes continuous effort and innovation to continue to be, continue to be successful in that, uh, in that space. What's been responsible for, for your continued success in, uh, in your industry? Yeah, I think it's, uh, first of all, it's a really good question, so thank you for the question. Uh, whether I'm successful or not, other people can sort of, uh, sort of judge that. I think from uh, the work which I do in the telecoms industry, one of the, the key things for me personally is trying to keep up with the technological developments in the industry, which quite often uh, provide an opportunity for change. And where there's a significant change in our industry, there's always, the, uh, there's always a commercial opportunity. So I think having that interlock with the business in terms of the technology and, and a good enough understanding so that you can shape procurement strategies to support the business, I think, has been critical. Uh, the second thing for me is around very clearly, I understand my role is to support the business. So procurement for me isn't an end in itself. I'm there to help right. make the business successful and to provide competitive advantage. So in the, in the sort of food chain, I sort of, uh, I know my place, so to speak, but, uh, okay. and then you focus uh, rigorously on doing that and delivering for our internal clients. Yeah. Right. So, so, so really having your pulse on, Kind of both the industry as well as the as the organisation that you represent are key. Yeah, I think I think getting your organisation to partner with the business. I know it's a, an often said word about business partnering and all this, but to work really closely with people internally in the business is important. Uh, but also really understanding where the technology is going because the the technology right. changes provide you the opportunity to to provide more value to the business. Okay. Okay. Great. So, so Nadia. Another question here. So in the context of, of negotiation, maybe sitting on the side of the table that you do, uh, negotiation is, is really part of the DNA of what you do if you're, uh, you know, if you're running the kind of enterprise that you are. What is, what is your view of kind of the, the conventional wisdom about you know, negotiation and, and the, you know, the role it plays in business? If you look at how procurement people used to negotiate, uh, and I would put my hand up here, as well in the past. I think sometimes we're often not as well prepared as we should have been in, uh, in our negotiations. We didn't have the facts, the data, which we, we should have had when we went into negotiations. And also I think we didn't always have a high level of training and development so that we always understood the tactics were, which were getting played against us. So I think you know the days of people saying, you know, I'm going into negotiation and I haven't done any prep, but it will be okay. I think those days yeah. are absolutely over. Preparation is absolutely key. Right. And then following on from that, then, do you have a view 
of the common myths, misconceptions around negotiation that you've come across? Well, the, 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 the most common myth for me is, uh, don't worry, I'm not prepared, but I'll get you a good deal. So <laughs> that, uh, first of all, doesn't carry any more uh, with us. So, you know, we expect a high level of preparation. Yeah. We expect our people to understand the cost, uh, not just the price of what they're actually buying, so have a deep yeah. understanding of the category. Uh, but then also you've got to really understand, I think, in my personal view, the position of the account manager or the account lead on the other side who you're negotiating with, because obviously they're also negotiating with their organization trying to get you the best price or the best value or extra things in the deal. And, you know, if you, you know, also don't make them feel comfortable with the deal they've got and you, they don't represent you well in their company, then over time your company will lose actually. So you've got a there's yeah. a fine line between winning and having this you win and they lose, yeah. uh, but also making sure that they are representing you in their company, even though they're always employed by, you know, another company. Yeah? Yes, yes, great insight. Is it is, is it your view, Minion, that? Uh, and I know this will be a very kind of general statement to make, but on average, do you think that, that the vendors or the suppliers do a better job than prepara or on preparation, or can they improve their approach to preparation? I think previously, I think in years gone by, I would say the vendors were always better prepared uh, okay. than the buyer. I think that gap is narrowing, and that gap's narrowing as we have professionalized the procurement you know, function, if you want to call it that, over the last 10, 15 years. Yes. And I see a lot more preparation, a lot more people even thinking about game theory, etc. when they're running tender processes. So we see yes. a lot more uh, specialization, if that's the word, in smart thinking in terms of smart negotiation. So I think that gap is significantly closed. Uh, are we at parity yet in terms of training and development and skills and coaching? Maybe still a little bit of a gap, but we're not too far behind the vendor community. Right, right. Now, Lillian, you, you do business on a, on a global basis and a global scale. You have a lot of cross-cultural um, experience. You know, I think also the organization that you represent is one of the, probably one of the best models that, that I've certainly seen or encountered in terms of you know, uh, really embracing the global world that we live in. What is, your, what, what is your view on how men and women are treated maybe differently in business and negotiation, uh, well, and, and when negotiating, particularly in this cross-cultural context? Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting sort of uh, area for us, clearly within uh, Vodafone, I'm the sponsor for he for she in our business uh, with our supply okay. base, so I'm actively supporting uh, gender equality in, in both my management team, which is 50-50 split yeah. on, on gender equality, uh, as well as sharing uh, those with our supply base and, you know, in a nice way, try to do my little bit to, to change the world and to have a more diverse uh, diverse uh, uh, employee base. Uh, have I seen any difference in terms of how men and women are treated in negotiations uh, historically? Absolutely. So I've sat in yeah. rooms where I am not the most senior person uh, and the most senior person is a woman and questions and stuff have been directed at me as the man in the right. room. Uh, I think culturally, different countries are changing uh, for the better, which I think is a really positive thing. Uh, have we got some way to go? Yes. Uh, even in, in the UK, I was uh, observing a negotiation. I wasn't formally in it, but I was observing a, a negotiation we were having with a, a supplier, 
And on the Vodafone side, we had three senior executives from our business who happened yeah. to be all be women. Uh, and the other people from who were on the phone call were, were you could tell they were slightly surprised and you could tell that they, they, they contextually they didn't sort of want to know. And that was a British person. So that right. wasn't sort of yeah. someone from a, a culture that isn't, isn't sort of used to having uh, women in more senior positions. So uh, I think that individual struggled, but I think that's really good, good learning for that individual. And I think the world is moving in that direction, and we are very keen supporters of, of the equality, uh, both for the roles within supply chain and, and generally within our business. Right. So. So, so from your perspective and, and, and the experience you've had, Manian, what, would, um, what words of advice would you have, let's say, if, you know, um, if, if you're talking to, uh, let's say, a young, a young woman who's just you know, completed her studies and she wants to enter business, what, what words of advice would you, would you have for her? in terms of you know, how she can position the approach you know, to, to, to achieve equality? Yeah, I, I think there's two things. I think one, you know, I, I'm sort of uh, quite old now. I'm a 48-year-old man. So whether I can give advice to you know, someone of a different gender on what to do, I'm not sure. But I'd give the same advice whether it was a man or a woman, actually. And I, I would okay, always okay. say, one, be professional, be factual, and then always have a very high ethical standard. Uh, yeah. through doing that, it doesn't matter gender for me, then you will come through the organization and be highly regarded. Uh, and, and I think that would be a clear message I'd give to any you know, graduate person who is sort of coming into business. If you can maintain those high levels of uh, you know, ethical standards, professionalism, then you will progress, yeah. Great. Nadine, what's your, what's your view following on from uh, some of the points we've raised on Based on your experience, the, the number one reason why people fail when it comes to negotiation? Uh, so it's a great question. Uh, partly, I, I think partly, I'll give it as a two-part answer here, Jan. Sorry for sort of thinking it through as we sort of speak. But first of all, all, people fail because they've not lined up the business behind them, number yeah. one. Yeah. So if you go into negotiation and you don't have the business with you, and then you have an outcome that is slightly different to expectations which you had or had not sent, then, then you're going to fail, for sure. Now, that's, for me, that's the number one reason. The second reason is the preparation. Yeah. So whether that's preparing yourself by understanding the, the techniques and things you'll use to get the right deal, or, as I said before, having the clear understanding of the cost which you're trying to negotiate, then those would be the two items, yeah. Right. You, you touch on, or you've mentioned this point a couple of times. The, you know, having the, the support of the business behind you. When uh, you know, wherever I've been in the world, I've never had people disagree that the, that the toughest negotiation tends to be the internal one rather than the one that you know you have with the vendor or that you have with your customers. Is there is there a difference in the way that you've seen people approach the internal negotiations to the way that they approach the you know the external ones? Yeah. I think people internally in in our business, it's maybe slightly less of a negotiation now than it was probably when I joined the company five, six, seven years ago. There's a lot more internal alignment now, and there's a lot more confidence and trust in the procurement department. I think where it's difficult to get alignment is where internal stakeholders, if you want to call them that, the group CTO or the technology department, don't have the confidence yeah. in the procurement department. 
So I think building that confidence changes the way in which you can interact with the business. So I, I don't sit down and say, here's my internal negotiation plan. Yeah. Uh, I do know that there will be some people internally who I would like to have a discussion with and get their advice on things uh, because they will be influential in the meeting which I go into. But I wouldn't overplay the internal sort of negotiation politics. But what is absolutely critical is how you communicate with the business, how you set up the positions, and then how you feed back to the business. Because if you just go away and do something and then don't re-engage with the business, one, they'll either forget that you were doing it, or two, yeah. they'll forget that they promised to back you, or three, they'll go off and start doing a negotiation themselves, all of which are, right, right. are very poor outcomes from a procurement prof professional's perspective. So it's about continuing... Uh, to manage that relationship throughout the whole process. Yeah, and I, and I think when you have a, if you have a great relationship with some of your key stakeholders, and yeah. you know we have we have a fantastic relationship with the group CTO here in yeah. in Vodafone. He meets with a supplier, even if he's been out with dinner, he drops a quick email saying, "Minion, these were the four things we discussed. These were the positions which I've given," or he gives yeah. me a quick call, and the supplier is amazed. So a supplier comes into me and says, "Oh." The group CTO had dinner last week with da 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 da, and I said, "Yeah, I'm fully aware of that." And these were the four points, weren't they? So, <laughs> maintaining yeah, maintaining yeah. that internal alignment is absolutely critical to success, because some suppliers, yes. not all, will do this, but some suppliers will absolutely try and divide, and sort of conquer a little bit. But if you can be sure. very tight with your stakeholders and aligned on messages, then I think we find that very powerful. And even from a technology perspective, Jan, you'll be glad to hear. As we go digital, we've developed a little supplier briefing app. Okay. So now all of our technology colleagues and all of our CEOs in all of our com countries around the world will have a little supplier briefing app. So if they happen to bump into one of our top 20 suppliers, they can click on the app and here are the four key messages. And that's very powerful if you can get your whole company aligned around the four yes. key messages per supplier. So, so that obviously speaks to, to, to a lot of um, thought, effort, and, and, and management of those relationships internally, right? Yeah, well, I think they're critical. Uh, I, yeah, I think yeah. if a procurement department loses alignment yeah. internally yes. and then becomes a self-fulfilling thing, then before long it's not supporting the business. And again, it's back to my mantra that you know procurement doesn't exist in its own right. It, it's there for a reason, and its, it's reason and its rationale is, is there to support the business. And you know, yeah. where possible, provide competitive advantage for the business. Great, great insight there, Ninian. You uh, negotiate with, with, with both vendors and stakeholders within Vodafone in, in many different territories across the world. Do you have a view on cultural elements that you need to consider when, uh, when, when, when you deal with negotiators who represent, you know, uh, not just different organizations, but, but indeed different geographies? Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is the, one of the wonderful pieces about my role and, and my job here in, uh, in Vodafone. That the, the cultural context we have is fascinating and very different. So when we are negotiating uh, in our German business, it is very different from negotiating in our Indian business, as an example. Yeah. And I think uh, we, do, we used to do some level of cultural awareness training in the business, but you really learn how different cultures approach a negotiation. Uh, and some of it is just fantastic, Jan, and I still don't always understand uh, how to negotiate in some cultures, but I'm, I'm learning a lot every day, whether it's down in, in South Africa, which has got a certain culture, it's India, which is 
completely different or even a, a Dutch culture, you know. So, and some things I will, you know, me personally will resonate very strongly with. And other areas, you know, might be some of my direct reports who are, who are better placed to negotiate because they have slightly different skill set to I have, you know, and you've just got to be aware to that as a leader, I think. Yeah. So, so, so you would recommend it's good to involve maybe folks with local knowledge or, or you know, uh, insights within that geography to smooth along the process? Yeah, it's, it's fundamental. Uh, even, even though we run, we run a procurement company uh, based in our, obviously in our Luxembourg office with about 250 people, everything we do is global and local. Without the local link, which uh, understands cultural context, then again, I think you can, you can drift from the business and not be aligned to the yeah. business. And also, you've got to remember sometimes, Dan, the, the P&L, the profit and loss account of some of our suppliers, yeah. isn't truly global. Sometimes it's local. So you've also got to understand the if supplier A has just lost a big contract, they may have greater appetite locally for something, which on a global context you might not pick up because it may be just a small blip on the radar of that supplier, but locally that could be a big thing. So having that local context, mixing it globally, uh, is one of the great challenges we have. If we look at the procurement company in Luxembourg, I think we've got 48 different nationalities in our building, which is... Wow, culturally fantastic! It's absolutely fantastic to yeah. work with, and that's why you you learn, you know, almost every day, and different cultures negotiate in different ways. And there's no question about it. So, so Lillian, what is um, what's been your formula for success? You know, if you, if if you kind of split that in two, you say, you know, maybe in terms of your approach to business and then your approach to negotiation, what do you what do you embrace as your your top keys to success? Uh, I would say, first of all, engagement with the business. So my, I think my strength is how I engage with the business internally and how, you know, my job, even when I answer the phone, I say, hi, it's Minion Wilson, how can I help? You know, I think yeah. my job is to help. So there's a whole yeah. piece around trying to be helpful, which is probably a, a thing from my school days somewhere. Would it be fair to characterize that as a, as a mindset? Yes, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's a mindset around, I, I don't lose sight with a support function. We are there to support the business. We're there to help the business. Uh, you know, and sometimes we have to push back a little bit on the business and say, look, do you really want to spend the $4 million when we can get this for $2 million? And yeah, It looks yeah. the same spec. So there's a balance between us pushing uh, the business, or as my boss would say, leaning in a little bit to the business, but yeah. also helping the business be successful. Uh, so that, that number one is is that for me on my negotiation style. Uh, interestingly, I, I'm probably not the toughest negotiator. When I, uh, if that's a thing people <laughs> uh, aspire to be, yeah. but I always aspire to deliver what I've promised. I think that's really important. So when you say it's five, and you agree it, yeah. then I think it's important the company delivers five. And then if, even if internally we have lots of discussions, I think it's important that you've got to do what you say you'll do and deliver on that. I think that's very important for the supply base because with that, the supply base gets more confident in the procurement function being interlocked with the business. So I think that's the two things. One is internal engagement and then delivering on what you promise you. Yeah. Fantastic. Nani, and I've only got a couple more questions left for you. But, um I, I, I know in my life I've certainly you know, looked up to some role models to 
uh, derive inspiration from, to get encouragement from. Uh, in your life, have, have you identified with, with any particular role models that have helped you to, to reach the heights that you've reached? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been fortunate. I think, Jan, as probably all have, I've worked for some fantastic people. Uh, so very, people with very different skill sets from very different sort of industries and businesses. Uh, I've, I've got role models around management. My first great manager in, in uh, British Gas when I was there, a guy called David Nimmo, absolutely fantastic, taught me a lot about people, how to motivate people and how to get the best out of people. He was fantastic at that. Uh, more recently, uh, I, I worked for a guy called Adam Crozier, who's the chief executive of ITB in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and uh, tremendously motivational. Adam was a very softly spoken sort of Scottish guy, and I remember taking a, a bit of a plan to him one day, and he, he just started chatting about it, and we were chatting about it, but I hadn't taken him through the, the pack yet, and he goes, well, you wouldn't want to do that, Minion, would you, because that would be a bit dumb, wouldn't it? And I go, yeah, Adam, that would be a bit dumb. That would be really dumb. <laughs> Who would do that? I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Tastefully took took the pack off the table, put it in my briefcase. In <laughs> a very nice yeah. way yeah. of of giving that coaching and feedback, which which didn't make me feel bad as a manager yeah. uh, working for him, but but getting the point across. And then more recently, obviously working uh, working for uh, Detlef Schultz for what six and a half years uh, as a direct report to him, and learned a tremendous amount from him, both in terms of a procurement context, because that always comes from buying services, where he'd been more uh, buying materials and stuff for uh, ship manufacturers, etc., and his work at Siemens. Uh, <clears throat> but also with him still being my chairman, so he's still the chairman of the board for us yeah. at the Vodafone Procurement Company. Obviously great to have someone you could go and have a chat with when you're unsure about something and you just want to bounce an idea off someone. He's a great person for that. The, the guy I talked about at uh, Transco, my first manager, was great. Uh, and I used to go and talk to things. And after uh, I'd left him, he said, Minion, he said, I always knew that you knew the answer, but I was always there for you just to talk through and be confident. Yeah. And I thought those type of, you, you just cannot buy that level of coaching yeah. and support when you're a young manager. Yeah. Do you know, it's always fascinating to me, Daniel. You know, one of the one of the hallmarks of successful people is that they are that, that they're teachable. You know, they they surround themselves with with coaches, with advisors, with mentors, people who hold them accountable and provide insight. And, and it's so interesting when you, in my experience, when you when you deal with you know the senior management executive layer, people seem to be uh, seem to be so much more open to feedback from others. And that's that, that, that's often for me a you know telling hallmark of whether somebody's going to be successful or not is whether they you know position themselves to 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 be taught and to be coached. Yeah, and it's a tough one. It's a tough one for most people because it's really uncomfortable, Jan. So I remember yeah. when I go to Detlef would say, you know, is it okay if I give you some feedback? And and you'd sort of being sort of Scottish and sort of traditional, I'd sort of almost curl up. On <laughs> my, 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 father, my, my father in law Scottish. <laughs> yeah, so you understand perfectly. So yeah. and I'd and he'd say, let's start off with the good stuff. And I go, no, 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 I don't start with the good yeah. stuff. I, I hate that. Let's yeah. start with the areas to improve. Uh, and my my current manager here, I work for for the the chief financial officer of the group. He he gave me a little bit of feedback on a couple of things at my half year review. 
Yeah. And one of the things he said, Minion, just write a couple of things down in the back of your, your book. I'm clearly not fully digital yet, but your book. And just remind yourself of that now and again and on yeah. these two areas to work on. And I thought it was a it was a really simple tip from a really from a very senior guy in our company, and it's, and it's helping me a little bit. So I think whilst it can be quite uncomfortable when you have a, a coaching and feedback session, uh, or you do a three sixty survey, or, or however yeah. you do it, I think it's tremendously beneficial. And in fact, one of his tips for me this year was, mm-hmm. Minion, you've been in role now for you know since April. Uh, you should go and speak to your team, have a chat with them, and ask them if there's any slight course corrections, you know, they'd like to change, because you can sort of yeah. say, you know, I'm always going to be me, but we can do a little bit of course correction if things would work better for you. Uh, and I've started that process now on sort of uh, month nine into the, the role. But I'm saving that for the new year. I just need to get through sort of Christmas first and relax, and then I can have that feedback session. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. It makes... It makes the advice, you know, when when somebody certainly just seen from my perspective, when somebody comes comes across with the kind of humility that that uh, you certainly are reflecting here in terms of being open to feedback from others, it, it also makes them more trustworthy in the advice and the recommendations that they provide to others. Yeah, and I think the team, the team for me, the team which I run is is you know, you've got to trust the people who work for you, and they've got to trust you. And, and if you don't have that fundamental trust, then they have to have the confidence that when push comes to shove, you're going you're gonna to support them and you're going to back them. Uh, and I will do that with all my team. I have, I have to have that position. And they have to know that, you know, if something goes wrong, I have one of my golden rules, if you want to call it golden rules, I have to say, you know, if something goes wrong, tell, yeah. tell me early. Because if you tell me early, we can fix it quickly. And there's nothing worse and I've had this in my own experience, where something's gone wrong, uh, you worry about it, you don't tell your manager for a day or two, you worry yes. about it some more, you stay awake at night and you worry about it more, and then you know, three or four days go by, and then you go and see your line manager, and your line manager goes, oh, don't worry about that, that's happened to you four times before, this is how we fix it. And the relief is quite palpable. Yes. Uh, but the longer, the longer you leave problems, they don't get any easier. Exactly, so I'm, yeah. I'm a great believer. A great believer. If, if there's an issue, there's a mistake, there's a problem. Let's get out on the table quickly. Mistakes are okay. Just you know, say to the team if you could avoid making the same one a number of times, that would be very helpful. Yeah. That's great. So, so, so Minion, uh, my last question to you. The um, and I think your perspective here will be particularly valuable. Let's say, let's say you were approached by two people. One, one is somebody who, who's just starting a career as a as a professional buyer. And the second one we'd say is, is the person who's just starting a sales career as a supplier, if you or a vendor. If you were to give each one of them your view on what your best advice for them could be, as it concerns their approach to negotiations, what would you maybe in turn say to say to the person buying uh, and to, to the person selling? If, if indeed your advice would be different, I don't know. Uh, that's a great. That's a great question. I think for for the supplier. I would say never ever promise something you cannot deliver. Uh, and when we've done a deal, you must always deliver. I think that's the key thing for me. Uh, and I've had, as everybody's probably had, suppliers who have performed fantastically well and who have performed really well in difficult situations but not let us down. And I think all buyers remember 
the suppliers who go the extra mile and don't let us down, especially when the chips are down and we're under pressure. So we always remember yes. that. I think, I think for the buyer, I would say be professional in everything you do. Uh, and if you're professional in everything you do, you will become respected by the supplier and you will gain credibility. And then that will, will help you no ends on your, your career path. Uh, the number of times you know I've spoken with a supplier and they've said, "Isn't this person absolutely fantastic? We did this really yeah, well. Yeah. You know, they got a lot of value, but they were very professional." I think that's a far better comment to have from yeah. a supply base around a procurement professional. Maybe one level deeper. What what would you say would represent that somebody is professional? What are the what are the key characteristics of somebody who's professional? Well, I must laugh. As I've worked for a German for quite a few years, turning up at the meeting on yeah. time to start off with. Uh, yeah, being there, yeah. being being prepared, being professional, uh, professional in the approach of the negotiations, showing that yeah. you're structured, you know, have clear logical arguments, uh, and, and you know the play stuff, which we've all done before, where you get up and you walk out. You know, we've all done that before, and I know that's from chapter eleven of the negotiation books. You know, somebody <laughs> does it to me, I just don't think that's professional anymore, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's my personal opinion. But really showing that thoroughness, because yeah. if you show the thoroughness and the professionals and the, and the preparation, you immediately get respect from the other side of the table. Yeah. Million Wilson, thank you so much for your valuable insight. Uh, really appreciate it, and I'm sure our audience will derive significant value from from your experience and recommendations. Oh, Jan, as I say, uh, I'm, very, I'm very fortunate to get where I've got to, but it's been uh, a pleasure speaking to you today. So uh, thank you for your time as well. It's really appreciated.